my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic weekend. Uh, yeah, great show today. I was joined by my good friend, Eric Schaefer. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've chatted with Eric. It's always a good time. Uh, we covered a lot. Uh, we talked about uh, President Trump being a total boss by uh, avoiding paying a bunch of taxes. So that's terrific stuff. Uh, we talked about uh, the nomination of Amy, Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. Uh, man, Big news weekend. Big news weekend when I was uh, on the boat fishing up north. Man. A lot to discuss, as always. Oh, and we talked about uh, yeah, the, what, what to look forward to in the debate tomorrow night and, and all that stuff. Covered a lot of ground. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, guys, before we get to Eric, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, or Spotify. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. All right. Without further ado, here's my chat with the great Eric Schaefer. <laughs> All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Eric Schaefer. Eric, my man, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good, Brady. I'm back, I think, because we talked about it before the podcast. I'm back home for the first time in 11 months because of COVID. And uh, I got my dog sitting in my lap here. I'm stroking him like a James Bond villain strokes a white cat. So it, I'm, I'm doing really good today. Nice, nice. It would probably be a little better if it was a real white cat, but, you know, your dog. Well, is then, a... then I'd need a monocle, and I'd need to yeah. get my head bald and gain 50 pounds because that's just stereotypical spy villain but yeah yeah and you need to be developing some like theoretical super weapon underground somewhere and shit nope i mean you really don't have time for that i'm going to flood the bay area to raise the real estate prices (laughs) so dude we have as always on a monday uh we have a ton to get to for this isn't even the main story i want to talk about today but we got to talk about the tax returns. The left finally got them. The walls are closing in, Eric. The New York Times have obtained Trump's tax returns, and it turns out the president is a rich guy uh, who legally avoids paying as much taxes as possible. So, the humanity. (laughs) The bombshell. Brian Stelter has told me that this is the biggest bombshell in history. (laughs) The thing that I don't get about this is that so my theory was in line with Ben Shapiro's which I know is super shocking because Ben's 10 times smarter than me and when it comes to matters like this I'll usually defer to him but my reasoning for why Trump didn't want to release his tax returns wasn't because he was doing anything illegal it was because I didn't think he was as rich as he said he was and that's not because I don't think he's rich or I think he's an inept businessman it's just you go around saying you're worth four billion dollars and then when it comes out that the media because the media made a huge deal about his network and when it comes out, maybe if you're worth something like three or two billion dollars, which is still a hell of a lot, the media is going to use that to say, oh, he's still he's only worth two billion. So I thought that the reason he wasn't releasing his tax returns was because of that. But it just turns out that he didn't release them because legally he didn't pay ta- taxes like the rest of us rubes do. Uh, and like I, I don't get why there's controversy behind that. Like not. all these reporters <laughs> and Brian Stelter and CNN. Okay, for example, CNN hosts Brian Stelter, Chris, Chris Cuomo, Don Lemon, 
these guys are each worth about 20 to $100 million, specifically Chris Cuomo right. and Don Lemon. I can guarantee you, I can guarantee you, they may not be as good at it as Donald Trump is, because when you're a billionaire, I feel like you hit a next level of being able to avoid taxes with the accountants you can afford. Right. But I guarantee you that they are avoiding taxes legally in some sense. They would do exactly what Donald Trump did if given the chance. Everyone would. Literally every single person in these United States would avoid taxes legally in the way that Donald Trump does if they were given the chance. Oh, this is a non-troversy. The only reason I can see why Trump didn't want to release his tax returns was because he rightly thought at this point from what we see was because he rightly thought that the media was going to excoriate him for not paying as much as they think he should, which is just it's it's idiotic. This is a non-story. Obviously, we both think this. It's and it's annoying. It shows how desperate they are. That's all I'll say. It shows how desperate they are to get him on something before this election. Right. And it, it is funny. I have, I have a couple of things to say, but just real quick point. I, I do think it's hilarious that uh, that Trump wants people to think he's, you know, richer than he really is. Like he's, he's a billionaire. So, I mean, he's like extraordinarily wealthy, but like, you know, that he, he wants people to think he's richer than he really is. Like that, that's actually a refreshing break from most politicians. Like remember Mitt Romney was basically like, he had a campaign in 2012 as like being ashamed that he's was as wealthy and as successful as he was. And then Trump is the exact opposite. He's like, Romney, he's not even rich. He only has like 700 million. I'm a billionaire. You know what I mean? He's like, <laughs> it's like just totally the opposite of what, you know, for some reason, wealthy people in this country, they like pretend like they're not wealthy or pretend to be ashamed that they're wealthy. It's like, screw that, man. It's totally ridiculous. But yeah, man, like this is a nothing burger. Like you said, I mean, but look, let's be clear over his career. He's been a billionaire since the early 1980s over Trump's career. I'm sure he's paid more in taxes than anybody listening to this will ever earn in their lives. <laughs> so like, come on. It's not like the guy's not paying taxes, but like rich people have great lawyers. They avoid paying taxes. They all do it. And, I mean, not just rich people, dude. I'm poor, but I'm a I'm a small business owner, dude. Me and my accountant put in a lot of work to make sure I'm paying as little as humanly possible. Like, not paying taxes is as American as apple pie. Like, we kind of started a country on the premise of not paying taxes. Like, the the left the left is just insufferable about this, man. Like, I don't get what who's their target audience for this attack, right? Like, I who don't what know. like. Oh, orange man bad because he legally avoids paying taxes when possible. Like who's so, who's actually offended by that or upset by that? The clear line of attack isn't that he's not paying as many as much in taxes. It's that look how this guy is shifting the burden onto you. Look how he he's avoiding all these taxes. He's not paying his fair share. Look how he's shifting the burden for these social programs onto the middle class. And it's it's I just feel like that's the, the most idiotic line of attack, because, like I said, if the middle class could avoid taxes like that, they would. And maybe they're, I think what they're trying to really cultivate isn't righteous anger, because there's there's a difference here. What they're trying to put it off as what they're trying to cultivate is righteous anger. How dare this billionaire not pay his fair share? What they're actually trying to cultivate is envy. They're trying to culti cultivate envy. Look at this rich guy who's not paying taxes, like who's who's paying taxes in a way that you can't. He's avoiding taxes in a way that you can't. He's avoiding tax payments in a way that you can't. I think, and that's because that's that's one of the reasons why dem rich Democrats often don't bring up their wealth or try to act like they're ashamed of their wealth. 
because what they try to cultivate within there's a reason they do that. The, even some of the Democrats who have worked hard for their wealth, who weren't always career politicians, there's a reason they do that. And it's because the Democratic Party's primary message is to cultivate wealth envy. Right. You, you're supposed to be envious and jealous and and lusting towards someone else's wealth. So I, I feel like the media, for the sake of the moderates out there, is trying to paint it as this guy's not paying his fair share. But what the actual line of attack is, if you dig a little deeper, is you should be jealous. Right. And you should, because of you are envious of this man's wealth, you should try and go out and spite him. I, 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 I just think it's a pretty heinous line of attack. Yeah, absolutely. And I have the opposite reaction. I'm like, man, come on, Donald, te- teach me how to do that. <laughs> I don't <wanna> do that. <laughs> hey, man, I, I need to I need to talk to his lawyer, man. Like the, the, the report alleges I don't know if this him. is I don't know if this is true or not. But the report in The New York Times says that in 2016, uh, Trump only paid 750 bucks in federal income taxes. If that's true, I don't know if that's true or not. But if that's true. The man is a legend. (laughs) Heck yes. Yeah, dude. Like, if that's actually true, he only paid 750 bucks. Dude, Dude. I like he deserves re-election on that basis alone. My goodness. Taxation is theft, man. Yes. Yes. But even even for DoorDash drivers, like, you know, I drive DoorDash sometimes. Even for DoorDash drivers, what we try to do is we try to deduct as many possible expenses off of our taxes as possible. The only thing that's different between a DoorDash driver and Donald Trump in terms of, of I, how they go I, about I, several their things. Bro, off the top of my head, I can name a few differences. But. Well, I'd, I'd say the big, the major <laughs> thing in terms of what people know simplistically about taxation is the, the main difference is that what he's deducting is just at a grander scale. While I'm deducting a heat, uh, a heat insulated pack, he's deducting a possible small business bankruptcy. So right. it's like it's not. It's just it's crazy to me that anyone is going to get on him for trying to pay the least amount of taxes possible and being success and being a success at it when literally everyone upper middle and lower class in the United States does the exact same thing. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, dude, look, taxes, especially the income tax, it's just a tax on the middle class. Like everybody knows this. I mean, like the very wealthy, the top 1% or whatever. I mean, dude, it's always, especially like president Trump, who's, you know, all his wealth is in real estate. It's really easy to show a loss when you're talking about real estate, man. Like th- these people know how to avoid paying taxes. Like taxes are just a tax on the middle class primarily. And yeah, man, look, more power to President Trump. I'm glad he didn't pay many taxes. I wish, I wish all, I wish we were all so fortunate. Um, exactly. And and on the line of taxation as well. I mean, I, I think there's legitimate criticism to be levied at companies uh, that use off like kind of taxation havens like in Ireland, where Amazon will put like 99% of its say, I know that's not the actual stat, but they'll put a vast majority of their savings in banks in Ireland and everything to avoid paying taxes in the United States. And there, I, I come at it from a dual perspective that I think business taxes on businesses should be lower. But even if we vastly lowered them, Amazon would still be trying to find a way to avoid even paying those minute taxes. Right. And I do think, I don't think all taxation is that. I think that the government provides certain services that are necessary to the, to the protection, again, at a base level, not how they're doing now with the welfare programs. But the government provides base services at its at its core that provide the ability for a company to engage safely in a free marketplace. And those services come at a cost. So if, if we were to say, I don't know, lower the business tax to 
like something that's really way lower than what we have now, then I'd say, okay, now we can really focus on Amazon shifting and and these rich billionaires if we got rid of the income tax and everything and lowered taxes to yeah. I mean, what, what's degree. the corporate what's the corporate tax right now? It's like 30. right now I think it's eight eighteen percent. I thought I, I thought, thought it was. It. I know it was like thirty five percent before the Trump tax reform. Maybe it's like twenty four percent now. Yeah, it's, it's in the twenty. It's, at, it's still excruciatingly high. It's it's ridiculously high. It is. So my whole point is, if we lowered it to a reasonable le- level and these big companies were still using tax uh, like tax havens. Then I'd say, okay, now we can start cracking down on the tax haven. But as it stands now, if your country is is having an exorbitant tax rate, then uh, do everything you can to legally avoid it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the only thing I disagree with you is that you said you don't believe all taxation is theft. I think it, taxation just inherently is unavoidably theft. I mean, you can make the argument that some theft is good sometimes, but I don't really think you can argue that— just the act of taxation itself is just inherently theft, I, I, I think. But I would just disagree on the very premise in that let's talk about the United States government doesn't exist as it does with all the welfare programs. Let's say they exist as they were supposed to in cultivating base in- infrastructure and providing military defense and providing law and order to the extent that you can practice in the marketplace of ideas and business without any inherent danger. If you're actively and gladly participating in that society – I mean, the government is providing you some basic services to keep you safe and to make sure that they aren't there aren't bad actors like there would be in, in the state of nature that could go without, without punishment to steal from you or beat you or commit violence on you. And because you freely engage in that social contract and you get, gladly engage in that social contract, the government does need a way to fund those services. And thus, well, I, sure. don't think every, yeah, no, I, I don't think every single form of taxation is theft. I think if you're gladly engaging in the social con- – it's called social contract for a reason. If you're gladly engaging in the social contract, there is some form of taxation that isn't theft. That you're, It's a transactional policy where well, you fund these services that you're getting to keep you safe. I, I mean I, I understand what you mean. I understand the social contract and everything, and I participate in the social contract daily. But I mean I, I'm not – I don't know. You're arguing that some theft is good and necessary, not that the the act of taxing somebody is inherently theft because it's the use of force. You know, like you are being taxed at gunpoint. You don't have the option to say, no, I'm not paying taxes because men with guns will come to your house in the middle of the night and kidnap you and throw you in a cage. So it's not, it's not you know, like it is <laughs> like you're arguing that theft is good under some circumstances, not that taxation isn't theft. Because I mean, it's like, I don't know, the, the way I, I view things like that, it is more binary in my eyes. Like I just like if you or I, tax you know taxed people. <laughs> like if we just said, hey, look, like I'm gonna provide your services. You can't say no, and I'll kill you if you uh, refuse. I mean that's theft. It doesn't matter if it was for somebody's own good or if they were, you know, participating in some kind of social contract. Like if I were threatening somebody at gunpoint, I mean that's still theft i mean that's extortion no matter Fair. you know no matter what you, you you know you can argue that some theft is okay but you know not that taxation itself isn't theft also business tax rate i think is 21 percent. i guess it's a step in the right direction from 35 <laughs> but... well yeah because i remember they lowered it a while back and the libs freaked out and said it was going to be the end of the world just like net neutrality was and we're still here i mean that's just absolutely evil that there is a corporate tax at all i mean like Corporation, I mean, you're just taxing people twice. I mean, corporations are human beings, you know, groups of human beings working together. And they're sure as heck getting taxed on their income as well. So you're you're hitting them twice, which I think is just, I mean, I think all taxation is immoral, but I think the, the corporate tax is uh, especially immoral, I'd say. But look, man, one more thing on this whole uh, bombshell. 
Um, look, if this is the left's October surprise a month early or a few days early, they are boned. <laughs> like they are screwed. If this is the bet, like this is the best they have. That Trump's a smart guy who doesn't pay very much in taxes. If dude, if that's their October surprise, man, they have no bullets left in the chamber. Well, I I can't think of so my whole thing is I don't think this is their October surprise. I mean, the New York Times, they're such partisan hacks that if this were really their October surprise, they would have dropped it in October. Now, I mean, this was coordinated I, within like five minutes. The uh, the Biden campaign were selling merch on their website with like Joe Biden saying, I paid no, more yeah, in taxes yeah. than Donald I, Trump. I don't like deny this. That it's, yeah, yeah. I don't deny that it's coordinated. I just don't think it's their October surprise. But my whole thing, again, is I don't know what they could have. Like, again, kind of shifting away from this whole argument. Donald, we know who Donald Trump is. We know the type of person he is. We, we, we know that he's not the nicest person in his personal life. We know he's not the most moral person in his personal life. And if a tape of him saying that he, quote, grabs women by the P word, and a, a, a even if a lot of them, some of them have been debunked, if I think it was 30 sexual assault allegations in the last election, if those aren't going to bring the man down, I don't know what you have that could bring the man down. I mean, a bunch of commentators have said this, and it's entirely true. He had 20 different moments in 2016 that would have ended any normal presidential campaign. Oh, and yeah. yet they didn't end his presidential campaign. Nope. In fact, some of them made him stronger. Yep. So I, I, there is – again, if this were the October surprise, as weak as it is, they, they would have released it in October. But I don't think it is. I'm sure they have something that they're getting ready to release. But my whole perspective is I don't understand what they could possibly have that is going to hurt him more than what they've released in the past would hurt him, especially with what's coming out about the FBI that it was oh. shown that they engaged in, aside from Lisa, uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, aside from even them, that the agency itself engaged in partisan hackery to try and take down a presidential candidate. Yeah, man. I mean, they engaged in political motivation. So. With that information coming out, I'm sure that right-wing media sources are going to focus on it more and more in the coming weeks. And with everything that happened in 2016 and up to now, what do you have? There's just nothing that you possibly have that could take this man down. Yeah, and whatever they have, it can't be worse than the fact that the candidate he's running against has dementia. I mean, like, this is getting ridiculous. And this is—I want to touch on this real quick. Obviously, the main story of the weekend was uh, Amy Coney Barrett, and we're going to get to her in a second. But— the Joe Biden campaign, I, we have to briefly mention this, has called a lid again um, this morning. This is the 15th time in September, 15 days, 15 out of 28 days this month. Uh, the Biden campaign is called a lid before noon, which means, you know, no public appearances, no public statements. He's not campaigning. All right. If, if your candidate is physically and mentally fit for office, you don't. You don't take 15 out of 20 days, 28 days off the campaign trail a month and a half before a presidential election. Like, this is insane. Like, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what's wrong with Joe Biden. They, they claim he hasn't been, you know, he's called a lid all 15 of these days because he's doing debate prep. I mean, I don't know how long you, you need to prepare for a debate, but my goodness. I mean, President Trump isn't exactly the, I mean, he's not debating Thomas Sowell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, come on, man. But like, I don't know, dude. If your candidate is with it, Mentally and physically, he'd be on the campaign trail. Uh, they're hiding something. I mean, they're keeping Joe Biden in the basement for a reason. They are, and I think they are doing debate prep, but in a different way. It's not like they're running facts and questions by him. What I think they're doing 
is, and I'll, I'll say this really quick for the viewers out there. My grandfather uh, died of, the, of Alzheimer's. And I remember the early, middle, and ending stages of it. And what Joe Biden is striking me as right now, where I hear him, is he's either in the late, early stages of dementia or is he's in the early, mid stages. He's yeah. not at the very beginning. Because yeah. I remember exactly what my grandpa was like in the very beginning. And in the very beginning, it's just like forgetting really small things that can go unnoticed, unnoticed at first. Like none of us knew he had it until uh, the place that he worked, Jesus Ministries, told us that he was forgetting little things and that it was a little odd and unlike him. So he's in either the end early stage or the early middle stage of dementia from what I'm seeing. And where I think they're doing debate prep is they're not quizzing him. They're not running questions by him. Maybe they'll do that a little bit, but they're not they're, what they're trying to do is they are trying to keep from overworking him as much as humanly possible. Because one of the things that you need to know about dementia, most people know this, but the more that the more that you work out your brain, and the more that you go out in public and you have to speak and you have to take questions and you have to retain information, the more that you have to do that, the more that it tires out your brain and the more likely you're, you're to show more pronounced symptoms. So what I think they're doing is I think they're trying to – they're calling a lid. And it's, it's also um, – it's telling that they're doing it two weeks before the debate in particular. It is. What I think they're doing is they're trying to keep from putting as much mental strain on him as possible so that he doesn't go out there and have a senior moment. Because all you need to do, I've said throughout this whole election, I think that the debates are going to be for once. It's never been like this except for the Nixon-Kennedy election. The debates for once are going to be the deciding factor of this election. Because all that needs to happen, Joe Biden could somehow, he won't, but theoretically, could somehow demolish Trump throughout the entire debate. All that needs to happen is that he has one moment where he forgets what he's saying in the middle of a sentence, which can happen where he forgets a question right after it's been asked, or worst case scenario, this won't happen. I don't think he's in this late st latest stage yet, but worst case scenario, he goes like, where am I? Like he just totally has that blank white noise stare and doesn't know where the hell he is. All you need is one of those moments. And I think despite how unsavory Trump is as a person, election's over. No one's gonna trust that guy with the nuclear launch codes, especially with the VP candidate that he has. And Oof. this, I think my, what, what, proves my theory even more is that the debates i've been saying this as well dementia is more pronounced i'm not talking as a medical expert this is purely from personal experience dementia and diseases of the sort are more pronounced later in the evening and i've been saying to my friends until up to the time they announced the debates if the media wants to give joe biden an edge they better have this in the middle of the day yeah in the morning or in the at the very least in the middle of the day like 5 p.m max because if you put it at night, your brain has been working out so hard all day, even if you're not doing that much, that you're more likely to show symptoms. I mean, that's when my grandpa would usually be at his worst, was at nighttime. Yeah, and I, the debates I, are going to be from 9 to 10.30 p.m. I, I, I think they're trying to put as little mental strain in, on him as possible because he's going to need every ounce of that, of that competency that he has left to take on – I'm not saying this to be mean to Donald Trump, but to take on a bully like Donald Trump, I mean, he's going to beat you around and he's going he's going to push you and push you and push you. And you're going to have to be mentally spry to be able to combat that. And I don't know if Joe Biden has that in him still. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And I did experience uh, the, the same thing with my my grandmother who passed away a couple years ago. Um, and yeah, man, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I'm noticing a lot of the same, you know, mid stage um, dementia kind of symptoms out of Joe Biden. And he can't make it through a five-minute softball TV interview, man. 
Like I, I, I just don't. I don't know. And uh, look, one more thing uh, before we move on. The, this is kind of funny, but I, I kind of get it too at the same time. The president uh, challenged Joe Biden. He said, "Let's both take drug tests uh, before the debate," and uh, the Biden team said no. So I don't know. I'm not gonna, you know, conspiracy theorize right now, but. I don't know. I don't know if Trump knows something. I, it would not surprise me by any means if, if uh, they have Biden on you know Adderall and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, oh, no, yeah, you can give someone something if yeah. they're not in the very end stages. And Like I said, Joe Biden has proved that at the very least, I mean, I know we had a teleprompter in front of him, but he's proved that he can still have sparks of mental competency. Like his speech at the DNC, even though it was on a teleprompter, was a damn good speech. It was very good. I'll give it, him that. It was okay, yeah. Um. I th- I'd say it was damn good just because my Joe Biden expectations were rock yeah, bottom. Yeah, I mean, great grading on a curve. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, my whole thing is what I think they're going to do to him. I don't think they're going to give him Adderall or anything, but they're probably def- – they're going to give him – I think – I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here. I think they're going to have to give him something to pep him up or they're going to have to say, hey, Joe. Like they're going to have to give him like melatonin at the beginning of the day and be like, sleep, Joe, sleep, and then wake him up at like 8 p.m. So he's kind of like in that that early day stage of dementia. <laughs> they could have. Do you know how many Democrats are in this country, man? <laughs> like my gosh, they had four years. There, I mean, I don't know. There's probably what a hundred million Democrats that are. I don't know. I don't, how many Democrats over the age of thirty-five who were born in the United States? Eighty million. But out of that eighty yeah, million, like they, they, they came all... up with Joe Biden. They eight out of eighty million people. Really? Well, the thing that confuses me too is that. Okay, in 2016, because this is the reason why Trump won the primaries, was because it was such a divided field, and there were so many good candidates. For the, I don't like Marco Rubio, but I think he would have been a decent presidential candidate against Hillary Clinton of all people. Yeah. You had Marco Rubio, you had Ted Cruz, Scott you had Walker. Scott Walker, you had at the very least who would have carried Ohio. I don't think he would have been a good presidential candidate, but someone who was moderately competitive just because he had Ohio it was John Kasich for a little bit. Yep. You had all these moderately competitive presidential candidates who at least one group or another could get behind. And Donald Trump was chosen. Now, at the very least in the GOP primaries, you could say, listen, there were a slew of really good candidates. In the Democratic primary, everyone sucked. That's the only reason yeah, Joe Biden won. Everyone sucked, and the one person who didn't suck, Tulsi Gabbard, literally the one person, was too moderate for uh, the media to get behind. And she's a socialist. <laughs> she is. I mean, she's, she agrees with single-payer health care. She's gotten isolationistic. Not isolationist in the way that I would like it. I'm like, I always call myself a pigeon on foreign policy. I agree with, like, the neocons in some cases and doves in other cases. But she's, like, totally, totally, totally isolationistic. Her foreign policy is trash. But, I mean, aside from that and single-payer and abortion, like, she, she at the very least has a way of espousing rhetoric that she can appeal to the average blue-collar American. I mean, and she, the Democrats passed her up because she's she not said, willing to demonize Republicans. Yeah, Tulsi Gabbard said that religious bigotry is bad even if it's against a Republican, and that disqualified, disqualified her from running as a Democrat. Incredible. Just incredible stuff. So let's, all right, the real meat and potatoes, Eric. You ready? The president of the United States has officially nominated Judge Amy Coney Barrett to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court. This is an outstanding choice. Um, From everything I've read, I've tried to get my hands on as much as I could um, to read about Amy Barrett. Um, She seems to be a a proven originalist and an all-around outstanding person. (laughs) So let's, let's go, man. Let's rock and roll. Here we go. I love her. I mean, I, I, 
here's the thing. I have seen some conservatives on Twitter saying like, well, you, you, you can't say that you love her if you can't give me three judicial decisions that you like. No, screw you. I know her basic judicial philosophy, which I like. I know her opinions on certain crucial judicial issues, which I like. And she's a good person, so I like her. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to be. A, I don't need to be a law expert to say, hey, she seems like a pretty decent person and a pretty. She'd be a pretty good judge. Um, but the, the thing about the Amy Coney Barrett thing, I'm not going to go over the politics of it. We can touch on it if you'd like. But how Mitch McConnell, they're trying to say that he's a hypocrite, or he's how he's not. Because I mean, he's a he's a ruthless beast <laughs> he's a I mean, he's here's a... the thing that you need to realize about mitch mcconnell he's a political animal he didn't say that we're not going to not he said in 20 uh 2016 he said we're not going to look at merrick garland because we control the senate you don't no 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 stick your face in poo poo like it, it's <laughs> exact quote said, too yeah it was it, exactly it was a purely political move democrats are now trying to shift the goalposts to say well he said that he wouldn't elect he wouldn't look at a a, a judge in an off year that's not what he said he said, I'm, to be completely fair to Mitch McConnell, listen, it's still a shrewd move. It's still a, a political move, but that's exactly what it was. He wasn't being a hypocrite. He said, we control the Senate. No, 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 boo-boo. Stick your face in poo-poo. We're not going to look at your judge. <laughs> and now he's saying, well, we do control the Senate, so we're totally going to look at the judge. That's all he said. And they can't handle they, – they can't handle the Republican being adept at politics so much so that they're trying to make him out to be some lying hypocrite, which he's not. He's a ruthless political animal. The two things Mitch McConnell does is snort cocaine and appoint judges, and he's all out of cocaine. So what he's he's going to appoint Amy Coney Barrett. I so, but I'm not going to stick to the political thing or how usually in off years judges will be appointed. What I really want to talk about is the anti-Catholic bigotry. Yeah, man. That has been on the left. Yeah, we're going to get, get to that in just a second. In just okay, a second, hold that thought. But. You know, just politically speaking, we're going to get to just the abhorrent behavior from the Democrats over the last 72 hours or so, um, specifically the anti-Catholic bigotry. But like just go talking real briefly about the politics of this. I, I love this this nomination strictly for the politics of this. And I've seen a lot of people, a lot of our, our mutual friends on Twitter, you know, people on the right. Um, that that kind of they don't have the stomach for it, man. They're like, oh, I don't know, uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Like maybe they should nominate somebody more moderate. You know, they're really gonna the Democrats are gonna get real mad. They're gonna get mad. They might riot. No, 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 no. Shove Amy Coney Barrett right up their asses, okay? Because in the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, the Democratic Party crossed the Rubicon. They've crossed the Rubicon. That was it. That was it. Okay. After that, after what they did to Brett Kavanaugh, what they tried to do to that man and his family, we win, they lose. To quote Ronald Reagan, like that—that's until they learn, unless the De- until the Democratic Party learns and moderates and apologizes to the nation for what they did to Brett Kavanaugh, we win, you lose. I I I love the brutality by Mitch McConnell. I love that the president nominated the most conservative justice available. I love it. They crossed the Rubicon. They messed up. We didn't mess up. They messed up. And we are punching them right in the face with Andy Comey Barrett. And I just love this. Well, I mean, think about all the ineptitudes of the left. They radicalized. They in, uh, they enacted the nuclear option under Harry Reid. They, smart move. like you said, smeared Brett Kavanaugh in, in a way that we have never seen. With, I, 
it honestly was a way we've never seen with a judicial nominee because yeah, they was, tried was, to do the same thing. They tried worse. to do the same thing in it a way. It was, Clarence Thomas. It was even worse somehow than than Bork and, and Clarence Thomas. Like it was like no, just because the absurdity of it. Saying when he was 15 years old, he was running this complex gang gang rape ring. ring with college girls and so it's like come on like what is wrong with you people it, it's so it's just insane to me um i think that if the democrats i'd actually you know what i would agree with dana david french's and the jonah goldbergs if democrats were let's say like blue dog democrats if democrats were blue dog democrats who opposed abortion and I know there's very few of them left, but there's still some in like Arkansas and everything. They opposed, if they opposed abortion and they were at the very least, they agreed with us on the fundamental values of the constitution. I'd say, you know what? And they didn't do what they did to Brett Kavanaugh. I'd say, you know what? Maybe wait, maybe show some goodwill. But the issue is over the past decade with the Obama administration and now they ramped it up in the Trump administration. They showed that they have radicalized and they have burned up literally every ounce of political goodwill the Republicans could have. And I saw a really insightful, I rarely say this because Twitter is a cesspool, but I saw a really insightful tweet, I think it was from Ariel Davidson, where she said, I could actually see a majority of Republicans saying, okay, we'll hold off until after the election if Democrats hadn't burned up so much goodwill. But they've, they've, they've gotten rid of literally every ounce of sympathy and respect and every ounce of believing that they even respect our constitutional system left. And the fact that they're, um, since we will talk about the politics a little bit, now that they're threatening to pack the court and the media seem to be egging on the Democrats to do this. <laughs> I know. I mean, the, the thing that's crazy to me too. You, is, you have to be insane. You have to be insane. This is like, and, and I had Jim Garrity on, on last Wednesday and, and obviously he's good friends with, with Jonah Goldberg and, and David French, and he absolutely ripped their position to pieces. As he should. As, <laughs> as he, he should. should. I mean, and it's nobody, I mean, and this is what I said on, on last Wednesday, like, to believe that's an intelligent tactic, you know, the, the whole uh, Neville Chamberlain appeasement <laughs> of David French and, uh, and, and Jonah Goldberg, you'd have to convince yourself that the Democratic Party is acting in good faith. What have you seen? They're, they're threatening to eliminate the Senate, to add D.C. and Puerto Rico as states randomly, to end the filibuster, that, to abolish the Electoral College, and to pack the Supreme Court, okay? And couple that with the, their behavior, their abhorrent behavior during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. They, they are not operating in good faith. The fact that some people like Jonah and David are trying to convince themselves that they are is just laughable to me. If they added Puerto Rico and D.C., there would be a national divorce. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, there's yeah, no yeah, other way yeah, of putting No, it. absolutely. I mean, the, the country would end, yeah. Um, but my, see, here's we're talking about politics here for a second. There's two things that I don't understand. One is that most Democrats who are talking about packing the court are talking about adding three to four court seats because they stole Merrick Garland. We didn't. And Trump stole three judges from us. Stole. <laughs> OK, first off, Trump won the election fair and square. Yep. They obviously still engage in the Russian conspiracy, but he still won the election fair and square. Let's say giving them the benefit of the doubt to the extreme, at the very least, that Trump should have, he shouldn't, but should have waited in the election year to appoint another judge. He stole, by your own definition, one. He stole one. The fact that they're threatening to pack three, three court extra court seats shows that they don't really care about this being an election year. They care that Trump gets to appoint any judge at all. They care that their institutional power has been eroded. 
That's what they, they, they care that you're their control over your everyday life from the bench, which is the only power in the country right now that can't be stifled by the legislature or the executive, aside from the executive appointing good constitutional judges, judges because we've allowed the bench to get so strong. It shows that they really care about control. They don't care about principle. They don't care about standing on past precedent, which there is no past precedent for not appointing a judge in an election year. They care about control. Second, what I don't understand is I know the Democrats aren't the smartest political players. They've proved it in the past four years and how they've dealt with Trump. But Nancy Pelosi, I think we could both agree, until recently, has always been one of the most shrewd, at the very least, Democratic players in the House. Until, the, been, until the last couple years, yes. Yes. She has always been a smart politician. Chuck Schumer has always been a smart politician, not a smart legislator, a smart politician. And yet they're, they're both using this term court packing. Let me tell you something about court packing. Most of the American public has a negative connotation to court packing. Most American moderates and conservatives, and even some liberals, have a negative view of court packing. So the fact that you're – just like they have a, a negative view of, of tax raises, of tax rises, of raising taxes. That's, that's the word. What they're doing and saying that they're – they are explicitly saying we're going to pack the court. What they're doing is they're taking an intentionally unpopular position. Politically, something that is going to alienate moderates, moderates, possibly, possibly certain still moderate liberals and every single right winger under the sun is what you're who would maybe think of voting for Biden just because they don't like Trump. You're literally alienating every single person who is not a radical who would possibly vote with you just because they don't like you don't like Trump out of because of what? Because you're angry. I mean, it's just the stupidest political move that I could think of to engage in, and it's the sh- a surefire way to ensure that you're going to, to, to drive voters to either not vote for Biden or vote for Trump that weren't going to otherwise. I, I, I don't understand it because it's an authoritarian move. I, I just don't understand why they would take this position. I don't understand why they're being so dumb about it. At the very least, when they talked about raising taxes in the past, they've said they're going to raise taxes in literally every single way but name. I don't get why they're not doing the same thing with court packing. It's it's they're just explicitly saying we're going to pack the courts, which is both good for Trump and bad for the country. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, and the the other, and this goes to, you know into the behavior of the left over the last three days. But the other reason why this is a brilliant political move to go with Amy Coney Barrett um, is because it's baiting the Democrats into just absolutely evil behavior. Uh, that had I'm sure. That came into play uh, when Trump was making this decision. Um, I mean, because Amy Coney Barrett may be like the world's greatest human being. <laughs> like she's like a legitimate saint. Okay, like a devoted yeah. mother and wife. You know, a, a devout Catholic. She adopted two children from a third world country, which is like some real superhero stuff, right? <laughs> she's a qualified judge, very bright. You know, long history and record that we can look at. And they're so the Democrats are calling her evil, like they, you know, they're calling good evil and evil good. You know, that, that's what the left is at this point. They're taking the bait. I, these Democratic senators are not going to be able to control themselves. Like Kamala Harris is not going to be able to control her bigotry during these hearings. I mean, on Saturday, the left called her a racist for adopting two black children. Okay, they said she couldn't be a judge because she's the mother of seven, which like feminism. Like, is that is that feminism? She said, like, how can she be like an attentive mother if she's a, a federal judge. Really? So now you're saying that women shouldn't work, <laughs> saying you shouldn't <laughs> adopt children from third world countries. They say, you know, obviously she's unfit 
uh, for any office because she's Catholic. Okay, so, like, within the first—I mean, I tweeted, like, Saturday morning. I'm like, within 24 hours, they're going to insult 90% of the American electorate. And immediately, just within hours, they insulted all Catholics, parents who have adopted— and mothers who have a job. <laughs> like, immediately. It's like, these people are so stupid, Eric, man. Like, they cannot control themselves. The weird thing to me, well, not even the weird thing. I think the disgusting thing is everyone knows that, I, well, not everyone. People who know me know I'm a Catholic. And I, there's things that happen in the church that I don't agree with. There are certain Catholic teachings that I don't agree with, but I still overall identify as, as a Catholic. Um, and what strikes me is the amount of Catholic bigotry that still exists in America specifically in the Democratic Party. And when I say this to Democrats, they'll be like, well, like 50% of Catholics vote for Democrat. Yeah, because Democrats are okay with Catholics when Catholics aren't Catholics. Yeah, I mean, if you're you're Catholic in name only, you say, you know, if you're a lot of, you know, or a Christian in name only, Jew in name only, anyway, yeah. Yeah, and I've been seeing this take go around, well, you can't, Catholics aren't a monolith. You you can't just lump Catholics together like that. You can't say that the Catholics who vote Democrat are Catholic in name only. Actually, I can, because one of the core tenets of Catholicism is opposing abortion. It's literally one of the core tenets politically of Catholicism. And if you support abortion or you go out of your way to promote abortion, I believe you're not supposed to be able to take communion. That literally means you're a Catholic in name only. Yeah, I mean, like Joe, he, Joe Biden, Joe a, Biden a, has been, you know, refused communion before several times. Exactly. You can't be a practicing Catholic and support abortion. I don't care what some liberal officials in the Catholic Church say. I just I don't care if you support abortion and support some of these liberal Democrat policies. You are Catholic in name only. You are not a real Catholic. So the reason that, that so many Catholics vote for Democrats is because these are Catholics who don't go through confirmation. They go to church maybe on Easter, if that maybe on Christmas, even if that. And they don't actually practice, abide by core Catholic tenets. They just say they're Catholics and they have fun on Christmas and that's about it. The, the whole, so my whole thing is there is an insane level of bigotry against Catholics within the Democratic Party. It's just insane. I mean, and you're not just seeing this because Amy Coney Barrett, it, it's a big reason, but because she's so pro-life. You're seeing so many Democrats call her a, a Hitlerian theocrat. Because she is a Catholic person. And it shows that we talk about institutional racism all the time and everything, and there's no institutional Catholic bigotry. But it does show that the major, one of the major parties in America explicitly despises Catholics and everything they stand for. Explicitly yeah, despises. And I will say, by the way, in the conservative movement, there is a big level of Catholic bigotry. I mean, there's there there. Obviously, a bunch of conservatives are being friendly toward Catholics now because of Amy Coney Barrett, and it's not as bad as Democrats, not even close. But like Southern Baptists absolutely despise Catholics, and they're mainly conservative. A lot of evangelical faiths absolutely despise Catholics, not just despise their belief system, but despise you if you say you're Catholic. I mean, I've avoided telling certain people at uh, CPAC before that I'm Catholic because I I just don't want to get into it. it. There is a big, both on the left and the right, again, way more prominent on the left. But on the left and the right, there is still a prominent Catholic bigotry that exists in America. Um, like, for example, when the, when the whole sex scandal came out with the Catholic Church, I, by the way, agree 100 percent that the sex that, that priests being pedophiles is a big problem and it needs to be rooted out. And the Catholic Church engaged in a bunch of cover ups and it's sickening and it's disgusting. And that was one of the biggest challenges in being Catholic personally that I'd faced in a long time. All right. 
I agree that the Catholic Church has its own share of issues. But what I was seeing from even conservatives and liberals especially after these sex scandals were coming out was that, look at this, every single Catholic priest – and it disgusted me because my family is literally close friends with a priest in the clergy uh, – Every single Catholic priest is a pedophile. Every, if you're still a Catholic, I literally were seeing these takes all day from conservatives and liberals. If you're still a Catholic, you support a pedophile, a pedophilia endorsing institution. It, it's it's insane to me. I mean, like I, I'm an, it, it still exists to the level that it does. I'm an evangelical Christian. I've I've never seen anything like that in any church I've ever attended. But I mean, I, well, like, I don't think they and talk it, about it in church. It's you have to ask someone personally about it. But it's definitely a thing in the Democratic Party. And the thing, from, the thing is, man. I just don't understand the tactic. I, I just don't get it politically speaking. And like, unfortunately, I wish I wish it wasn't this way. But you know, when you're whatever five weeks away from a presidential election, everything's political. But it's like, dude, there's a lot of Catholics in Ohio, <laughs> and Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, and Michigan. You have any Hispanic friends, Eric? Yes, I do. What are they? They're Catholic. Catholic. <laughs> are there a lot of Hispanics in Florida? Is Florida an important state? Yes, they are. And also the thing with with, uh, Catholic Hispanic people is that they are way, way more likely to be against practices like abortion. Yes. I can't imagine Catholic Hispanic people disliking Amy Coney Barrett on those grounds. No. If they hear Democrats say that she's bad because of that, I have a feeling it's going to turn a lot of Catholic Hispanic people off. Yeah, it just makes no sense to me, man, that they're going full bigot this close to an election. I just think— I don't know, man. They're they're just frothing at the mouth. Like they they know it's bad politics. They just don't care. Like they can't hide their their bigotry. Like it's funny. Like Bill Maher, he uh he said uh he attacked Amy Coney Barrett like immediately. I think it was even before she was announced. I think this was Friday night on his show. But he goes like he just hates religion generally. He just hates Christianity generally, not just Catholicism. So he goes, you know, you know. Amy Coney Barrett's terrifying. She's like one of those real Catholics, one of those like, you know, hardcore Catholics, like, you know, speaking in tongues and all that crazy stuff. And I mean, that's hilarious it's because like Latin, you uncultured swine. Well, yeah, I was like, I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't know many Catholics that speak in tongues, but I know a heck of a lot of Protestants that speak in tongues. Like every church I've ever been to, there's been people speaking in tongues. So it's like, so in just one breath, in one insult on Amy Coney Barrett, you insulted all Catholics. And like half of Protestants, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Which is like a majority like of the country. You know what I mean? It's like cultured swine doesn't know Latin. How surprising! <laughs> it's it's incredible, man. And and the attacks from quote unquote feminists saying, "Oh, how can she be a good mother if she's a judge?" It's like, guys, you're going straight like 1930s. Like women shouldn't have a job. Like what? Like what? Exactly. Is... I thought the feminist position was you could have it all. Yeah, and it's just so funny, man. Just. It, who knows? Maybe she was uh, at age fifteen running a a, a gang rape ring or or, or something. But like <laughs> Amy her, Coney Barrett with her eye patch. Her family cocaine. and her her <laughs> history seems just unimpeachable at this point. You know what I mean? And that's the no, funniest exactly. part. Exactly. And like they, they're saying, you know, because she's Catholic, because she's a traditional Catholic, that you know, she's oppressed by her husband, and it's like you get that she's a a woman in her forties, a mother of seven, who's about to be appointed to the supreme court right <laughs> like this isn't like what well, she hyphenated her last name for goodness sakes you know what i mean like I, this isn't like a handmaid's tale thing man she like she kept her her maiden name for goodness sakes and she's a federal judge 
She's more successful than her husband. Okay, like, what are you doing? She's about to be a Supreme Court justice for the rest of her life. Okay, like, this isn't, like, an oppressed Handmaid's Tale woman. My goodness. Like, these attacks, I have to assume. I get that there's a percentage of the left that are just brainwashed at this point. I understand that. But for normal, reasonable people, these attacks are just not going to cut it. I, I, I have to have enough faith in my fellow countrymen to, to assume that these attacks are just not going to gain any ground for the left. I mean, they're going to come out with like some, because they can't do the sex trafficking ring on her. So they're going to come <laughs> out with like how she was just some drug Lord in the Colombian jungles. They're going to show her with oh. some curved knife with a cocaine on the tip and she's snorting it. That's the, it's gonna, Dude, I hope, it's I hope they the just attack against Amy Coney Barrett. I, I hope they just get lazy and they just like, they can't come up with anything. So they just like read the plot of a movie. And I guess as her as the villain, it's just like Bane, you know, like, see, she'd be fine, but she was raised in a dark pit most of her lives. And she had to climb out of it without using a rope to teach her strength. And then she tried to kill Batman. It's like, oh, my gosh, like, what are these people going to come up with? Amy Coney Barrett said in one of her court decisions, and I quote, you were, <laughs> you merely adopted the darkness. I was raised <laughs> in it, born in it. <laughs> Can someone born in darkness be trusted on the highest court in the land? My goodness. It's, I just don't know. There's no attack. Like you said, she's one of the best people. Like I, I said this on Twitter the other day. I mean, all jokes and memes aside, because I've been, I've been replying to every single liberal senator that I can find that's been crying. Just I've been saying, seethe and cope, lib. And I've been replying with a picture of her with laser eyes. I mean, all, all jokes aside, she's legitimately one of the best people and one of the most <laughs> genuine, down-to-earth, good-hearted people that has been appointed to the bench in decades. I don't see – there's nothing you have. There's nothing you could possibly have that would impugn my opinion of her. Yeah, man. I mean, unless it comes out that when she was in high school, she stole – petrified dinosaur DNA and amber and used it to create a theme park of dinosaurs that got loose and killed people. <laughs> Your scientists spent too much time weathering whether or not they could. <laughs> they didn't think that, they didn't stop to think if they should. It's uh, going to be Don Lemon. It's going to be Don Lemon yep. when he starts talking about that. Yeah, man. Love it. Eric, my brother, thanks for doing it. Dude, it's been way too long, man. Like you were it working some been. weird hours. Like we couldn't. I, I think it's you haven't been on the show since April, which is just a shame. But I'm sure we'll do it well, again. Well, yeah. Soon. Quick story. I left that job because I was the reason I haven't been on because I know there were so many Brady viewers crying out for Eric Schaefer. They were saying Eric Schaefer is the best guest you could ever have on, better than Jim Garrigan. They were like, where the where the hell is he? And uh, it's because my hotel job had me working one day. They'd have me working an afternoon shift, and the next they'd have me working until 5 a.m. And I I quit that job because one of my coworkers got exposed to COVID. And uh, they didn't want me getting tested. So I was like, mm, no, fuck you. I'm out. <laughs> Seems illegal. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think uh, it is. Yeah. So I will, out of respect, I will not give the name of the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> but they were like, my, man, my manager was like, well, I worked with her all day and I'm not getting tested. I'm like, well, that's because you're stupid. Yeah, that's not <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> I don't like wait, I was exposed to her th- for 30 minutes. You were exposed to her all day. I'm going to have to be exposed to you pretty soon. I feel like everyone should be getting tested. And it's it's like, especially with how many old people we're going to have coming in on Labor Day. And they they just refused. They, they were like, uh, they didn't want me getting tested. And I was like, okay, well, then I'm gone. I'm out. I'm not going to work for this business. All I know is it's probably Amy Coney Barrett's fault. Honestly, safe my manager had a name that rhymed with Amy Coney Barrett. That's probably her alter ego. Yeah, probably. 
So I gotta let you. <laughs> I gotta let you go, man. Where can everybody follow you online and keep in touch and all that good shit? Uh, follow me for some juicy memes at Twitter, real Eric Schaefer, and that's basically the only thing that I do now. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody follow Eric. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I will be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.